You're listening to Everyday Humanity. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us for our very first Mel Trotter Ministries podcast. Welcome to Everyday Humanity. We're so happy that you joined us today. My name is Beth Fisher, and I'm the Chief Advancement Officer here at Mel Trotter Ministries. And joining me today, I'm, I'm not even going to say their names. I'm going to actually have them, like, I feel like I've had a drum roll that might be appropriate. Oh, look at that. See? See? Look at my co-host already. Sound effects. Ooh, sound effects. Okay. With that, I'm going to pass it to my two co-hosts right now for formal introductions. Hey out there, everybody. My name is Regina, and I am the Youth Program Coordinator at Mel Trotter. So I'm super excited to be here and have this time with you guys. Yay. Yeah. Thank you, Regina. Yeah, thanks for You know, I never get to see you on the other side of the building, so this is like a really sweet relief in the course of a day. Yay. Happy year. It's a nice break break up for the day. Yep, yep. Yeah. And to my left... Hi, I'm Dennis. I am the president and CEO of Mel Trotter Ministries, and I've been with the organization for nine and a half years. And they've been some of the best years of my life, some of the most challenging years, but also the most fulfilling. So I'm just really excited for this podcast and for us to share the stories of really everyday humanity. So hopefully, listener, you can hear that we have an incredible banter among the staff here. It's one of the things that we do, I think, really well here in the course of a day is just to share life in ways that are meaningful and authentic and uh, fun, you know, because the work we do here is very important and sometimes very heavy work, but we bring the fun to this as much as possible. So Regina, speaking of fun. Did you introduce yourself? I did. I'm Beth. Oh, you still did? Beth. Well, I'm 53, so I probably <laughs> forgot already. But still, yeah. still Beth. Okay, so. Still me. Hello, everybody. You're still uh, Beth. <laughs> yeah. Okay. They, I think they heard. Regina, will you please talk to us about how long you actually have been at Mel Trotter? I don't know that I know this story, kind of what brought you here and how long you've been here. It'll be five years in March. So do the math. That's not one of my stronger suits. <laughs> Over four. <laughs> and honestly, I was in a place where I was looking for a position, a job, but something where it was a, a calling for me. And I didn't even know that Mel Trotter was hiring for the role that um, I accepted. I started off as a youth advocate, and I had a friend who's been doing work in the community, the youth, the realm, social service realm, and she forwarded me an email and said, Regina, you've got to check this job out. You have to apply for it. This is like your name written all over it. And so I read the job description, and I'm like, OMG, you are right. (laughs) So I did. I applied, and I heard back, and when I came in for my first interview, it was a little intimidating, but you know, I felt like it was for me. You know how we like when you when you're a part of something or when you you go to a meeting or whatever you go to and then you just feel it's like that natural feeling like it's meant. Mm-hmm. I felt that way. So, I think I interviewed with probably six people were in the room. I was like, "Ooh." But I brought my A game. <laughs> I was nervous, and so the uh, part of, I forget her name at the time, but I pulled her to the side. She was in HR and was working on some communication piece with me. I said, 
can I ask you a question? Honestly, how do you think I did? I, I couldn't read the room. I think I did okay, but I was super nervous. Like I said, on a scale oh, of one to 10. Am I 11 here? Is that right, what you're, yeah, right. Yeah. Like, give, give me, me something. something. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. And she said, you know what? I think you did really, really good. I'm not supposed to tell you this, but they said, you could lead this whole, you know, the youth, youth part, the whole youth piece. And I said, okay, well, that's great. So that's four awesome. and a half years later, here I am. That's awesome. And, and you're leading the whole youth piece. Yeah. So she spoke it into existence. Yeah. Will you tell us about that? Like, what does that entail? You know, it's, I know, a very big, big job. But what, for folks out there who don't exactly know, we're going to do this over the course of our, you know, weekly shows. We're yeah. going to explain all the different pieces and parts of what goes into the ministry. But talk to us a little bit about what you do every day with the youth. So a big piece of um, what I do is, well, I work with 18 to 24-year-olds. Helping them move crisis to stabilization. And, and yes, in housing, but also in just all aspects of life, whether that is, you know, a lot of times they don't have those those relationships that a lot of us do, or if they do, they're they're not the, the best, the most ideal. So kind of just taking a moment and pausing, and that's what I say to them when they come in into the YES shelter, which stands for Youth Emergency Shelter. I've expanded over time what that time frame looks like that they can be in there. When I first started, it was three weeks. That's just not enough time to get in there and just pause and have a wusa moment and figure out like, okay, what does, what do I want my next step to be? So um, expanding that time and really meeting with youth right when they come in as soon as possible and just doing a deep dive into what do they dream for their life and thinking about all of the resources, all of the connections that I have, that we have as an organization to connect them to that mm -hmm. and really truly walk alongside of them and not look at it like what I think um, is a great goal for you and for your life is what you should do, but you know, honoring them and what they think that they should want to do for, them, for their lives. That's right, and that's really great because really what you're doing is saying, I hear you, I see you, mm -hmm. I value you, I want to know about you. I don't want to tell you what I think you ought to be doing. Yeah. I want to know what you ought to be doing. Yeah. So, so I remember, gosh, Regina, three, four years ago maybe. So you'd only been here maybe a year and a half and you were leading up the youth programs at that time, I believe. And I remember there were some circumstances where we wanted to have a focus group, and I wanted to have a focus oh, group yeah. of the youth. Remember that? Mm -hmm. And so Regina gathers a bunch of youth together, and, and we went up at night, and I know that you bought a bunch of, a bunch of pizza, uh -huh. and we had pizza and pop. And it's one of the things that I think will stick with me for a long time, as it already has. A couple of things. One is your heart. Two okay. is your professionalism and knowledge and expertise. And three is the relationship that you have built with these guests that you do build with these guests and how much they respect you and honor you. It was, it was actually an amazing thing to sit back in that room and watch you command the room through servant leadership. Hmm. And that is something that is wow. incredibly hard to do, right? People can command rooms. And people can be servant leaders, but when you combine both, that's a really unique talent, and and that's the kind of person that you are. So in that oh, vein, you. that can only come from relationship. Mm -hmm. So like, can you share one relationship or situation with a guest that just really touched your heart? I will say one guest who he just oh he had so much going on 
when he came here. He had he arrived, he was dropped off by his adoptive parents, probably I think four days after his 19th birthday. He had, you know, he was adopted and so his adoption subsidy had recently ended and, and he told me, well, my parents told me that they can't afford to have me living with them anymore. Oh my word. And I was like, whoa, okay. But he still had a relationship with them. So, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, judge or anything like that, just hearing all sides. So, because at least, you know, he, he had parents present. I don't, I don't, we usually don't get that. So just trying to reach out to them. And he said he wanted to go to school and learning that he had a, the highest grade that he had completed is fourth grade and attempted to do some homeschooling, but it didn't work out. Just trying to see like, where, where can we meet you at? Like where, what is your goals? Where, where are the attainable goals that we can pull out of that? And even, you know, not even knowing some of the background stuff with like mental illness or, you know, like the social aspects of things. Having, he had Asperger's, you know, it's on the, mm -hmm. the spectrum and things like that, but his heart, and he was just the sweetest kid, but he, he and, and I say kid, cause you know, but they're adults, they're 18. <laughs> but they're <laughs> so, kids. But you know, yeah. And I have that mama bear aspect too. So, but he had moments where he would just act out and he would spit on people or, you know, kick at people or, you know, run out in the street and, you know, have, have moments where he just didn't want to go on. But he knew that me, but also other staff were there. And so we felt like home for him. Yeah. And he, we worked with him and other community partners to just rally around him from the, the social piece of it with getting a mentors, you know, also talking about like the, you know, getting his meds regulated and trying to repair relationships, broken relationships with adoptive parents, all of those things. And this is a God thing that happened with him because we were navigating trying to get him connected to SSI, and that yeah. takes forever, right. like, first of all. And there was a adult foster care home that was willing to take him. And they had you know, programming and everything that sometimes is very rare to find in adult foster care homes. They have programming and things, and so they were willing to take him even though they didn't know if his SSI was gonna even be approved. This is before they even got an approval letter and was like waiting for the money to come in. He didn't even have an approval letter. And it, it I, think, I think he just got it. And he's been in his AFC home going on a year now. And so he, he comes back and has lunch with me like once a month. I just took a group of the youth to um, the beach and we grilled and we chilled and uh, <laughs> we played games and I invited him to come. So it's those relationships that you guys talk mm -hmm. about. And his story just, touched me because not only did I have um, the pleasure of working with him and seeing him grow and blossom in himself and reassure himself that like, I got this, but like other staff were wrapping around him knowing that, okay, we got to get creative with him knowing that he does have some behavior issues. So what does that look like? Okay, you, you maybe need to take a break for a second and come back or let's refer to your safety plan and stuff like that. I, I think... That story that you just shared, mm -hmm. that for our listener, that really epitomizes Mel Trotter and the role that we play and how yeah. we do it. Yeah. There, there's an organization out west called the New Portland Initiative. And they coined this quote that we've sort of now adopted as our own. And that quote is that people do not enter into homelessness because of a lack of money, mm -hmm. at least not right away. 
they enter into homelessness oftentimes because of either a lack of relationships, healthy, positive ones, or broken and fractured ones. So you look at the story that you told, it wasn't necessarily a lack of money story, it was about relationships. So then what does Mel Trotter do? We try to meet that individual exactly where they're at because mm -hmm. we see their humanity, we see them as made in the image of God, we see their worth and their value and their promise. So we meet them where they are, and then we build a relationship and we walk forward, and sometimes that's connecting them with another organization, sometimes it's things that we can do in-house, but then we help them find community and we help in some ways be their community. And that, I mean, in a nutshell, that's what we do. Yeah. So, man, that was just a really cool story. Thank you. Very cool. Yeah. And one of the questions that we, right, we're trying to say, hey, everybody, this is who we are. Like, get to know us. Mm -hmm. And this is how passionate I think we all are about yeah. mm -hmm. what we mm -hmm. do every day. So I'm going to pivot because, you know, we're really good at doing that after oh, 2020. Yeah. What are you passionate about outside of work? Let's get to know you a bit. I would love to know what Regina is passionate about outside of Mel Trotter. Okay. Well... Grilling and chilling. Oh, I heard it. Oh, yeah. Yes. And rhyming. Yeah. And rapping. Were you not what listening else you best? Yes. I have right here. Grilling and chilling. <laughs> Tell me yourself. What, would you, what, what are you passionate about? I'm passionate about a lot of things. Family, mm -hmm. for sure. Family, for sure. My baby girl. Shalise, I love her. She is my mini-me. And if you ever met her, you know why. We look a lot alike. <laughs> we act a lot alike. We also have the same birthday. How so old is she? She's 12. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. So... Wow. That, Enough said. <laughs> Twelve. You're in it. I'm, I'm in it. I'm like all in. Yeah. Yes. Very all the cool. things. Middle school. So, but that. And I. I. In my heart, I'm still passionate about riding motorcycles. But I took a spill summer before last, and I just. I got back on because I know that you know you have to get right back on. Oh, Bob Vanderpool would be proud of that. That was I, really good. Yeah. Good job. Fall yes. horse. Get back on a pony. Yeah. Yep. That's yes. <laughs> Yes. And I thought about my motorcycle when he, when he said that in the, our, our meeting today, but I, I just, I got back on and I rode around the block and now it's in my garage collecting cobwebs, but I have not sold it yet. So Harley? No, it's a Kawasaki Ninja. And is your 250? Oh, no, no, 600. And Look I wanted you. more. Yeah, 250. That's like, that's a child's know. play. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. I didn't know that we had this in common. Uh, I have a mountain bike. Yeah. I used to have, I used we'll to, throw a motor on it for you, Dennis. You can roll with the, you know, the ladies. I used to have a Suzuki. Oh, did you? AKA Zook, yeah. I used okay. to drop it all the time in my drive. I used to drop the clutch. Yeah. I, I was, I would like ride that thing 60 miles, right? And I would mm -hmm. go the speed limit. I'm all in full gear. I'm in mm -hmm. a helmet. Mm -hmm. And then I would get it home where all the neighbors could watch me. And a little bit of an incline going up my driveway. And I just spill the thing. And they look at me like, she doesn't know how to ride. I'm like, I just rode this thing 60 miles. Yeah. yeah. You didn't see all that? Yeah. I know. I loved it. But I had to give it away just because. Was that before your prison experience? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, listener Beth, yeah. to my knowledge, has not been in prison. No, but he knows I went to Ohio State, the Ohio State University, Ooh, okay. so well, I go a lot of ways. See, listen, my okay, listen, listen I need to rethink this podcast, this. because what has just hit me is that I am alone in a room with two Ohio State fans. Like, one time I prayed for patience, and I do believe that this is God's answer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, see? Like, because this just isn't right. Mm -hmm. All I have to say is, go green. Girls who ride bikes and go bucks. Yeah, well, there you go. Oh, I oh okay we're gonna pivot we're going okay. to we're going to Dennis really quickly because you know we know how much you're passionate about it's just it's evident every single day as you lead this organization but I would love for people who are listening right now to hear it directly from you what what drives you every day mm. what keeps you coming back every single day and pushing and leading and big picture thinking what what is it for you that just is the underlying driver wow. 
Yeah. So, want to talk about motorcycles? No. I'm just kidding. Okay. I, I don't know. I've, ever since I was a kid, I've been driven by, and I think I think to some extent my parents instilled this in me without really intentionally trying. I think, and that is this idea that we we are called we we are supposed to be helping people. We're supposed to care for people. And, you know, Jesus talks about to whom much is given, much is required. And, and the easy thing in our lives to do is to say is to think that we don't have much. And oftentimes we think we don't have much because we're looking at someone else and saying, I wish I had the Tesla. I wish I lived on the lake. I wish I did this. So therefore, I'm like in a deficit, right? Mm-hmm. And the truth is that if you look around the world, people in the United States are the richest people in the world. The poorest people in the United States are actually pretty rich compared to other countries. So Jesus says, too, much is given, much is required. So it's not about what you don't have. It's about what you do have and what you do with it. And so what drives me is this idea that we have the opportunity, we have the blessing actually, to get up every single day and to help someone. And, and, and the way we have to do that, and this is part of the driving, Beth, the way we have to do that is, first of all, you have to see the humanity in someone else. You have to recognize that the behavior you're seeing or experiencing is not who that person is, right? Brian Stevenson said that he knows that each of us is more than the worst thing we've ever done. So we have to look beyond behavior, look beyond appearances, and we have to see the person that God created. And that's a person that was made in God's image, that has dignity, that has value just as they are, that, that there are plans for. And when you try to see that, then you want to build a relationship, you want to move forward, you want to go uh, beyond. And, and the thing is, you know, here's the secret. People say, oh my gosh, that must be such rewarding work, or you're such a saint for working there. Um, and you know what? It's backwards. Because what I've learned in, in my time at Maltrotter in particular is that I am receiving far greater blessings mm-hmm. than I am giving out. Because the people that we get an opportunity to to interact with, while sometimes the behavior may not be what we are, are tracking with or something like that, the truth is we can learn so much from our guests. Like people say, oh, you know, it's so great that you're bringing Jesus to these guests. And I say, you know what? Most of these guests are bringing Jesus to us. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we have uh, forgotten what faith really is mm-hmm. and what relationship with Jesus really is. And we've, we've lost it because of all the other stuff in our life. Mm-hmm. But when you get down to some of the situations that our guests are in, your faith might be all you have, and it might be the only way that you're surviving. So I tell people, for many of the people we serve, they have a deeper and more authentic faith than I do, than we do, right? So what drives me is that passion to get up every day and to walk forward with people and to learn together and to grow together and to try and, you know, the Lord's Prayer talks about God's kingdom coming and his will being done on earth as it is in heaven. We get to be a part of bringing a bit of that kingdom to earth. Wow. That, that passion is unwavering at Mel Trotter. So talk to us a little bit about outside of that. We know it's not motorcycles is the answer, but what are you passionate about outside of the Mel Trotter realm? You know, uh, similar to what Gina was saying, right? Um, first thing that has to come up is my family. Kelly and I have been married 26 years. If I got that wrong, I'm sorry, honey. She's, and, not, listen- she's not listening. Yeah, I do know that we had four <laughs> kids, though. I think we got that right. But we have four kids, and, uh, you know, two of them, or three of them are teenagers. One of them is in his early 20s. Mm-hmm. 
And man, my family are some of God's greatest blessings to me. They also are responsible for my bald spot and my gray hair, eating to cover stress. But other than that, they are life's blessing. And the fact that I get to do life with them. So then what do we do for fun? We hike, we camp, we, you know, do fun, dumb things together. But we just really are spending time together. You know, like, I don't know about you guys, but I find with my family, our dearest family times are not when we've planned an event to do. Mm-hmm. Our dearest family times are when things happen that we're just all hanging out in the same space. Yeah, and you guys were just out in Maine, right? Yeah, hiking, Maine. and oh, I love yeah. watching oh. pictures and just like hearing stories when you get back, just because it is to your point not scheduled. It's just yeah. uninterrupted focus. Let's just hang out and be. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. great. And oh, yeah. Nate just went to college. One of them just went to college. Yeah, Nate, my second son, we just dropped off at uh, Loyola University in Chicago. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a little farther away than Dad is comfortable yeah. with, but. You know, my heart is now in Chicago, apparently. Yeah. Just not a Bears fan though, right? No. And notice I didn't say my heart was in Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. Yeah. We're working on that, aren't we, Regina? We are. Well, keep working. (laughs) Yeah. Well, no, thank you for sharing that. And you guys, I'll be really quick with just a little bit about me as well. Wait, I can do this. So, Beth, I would like to, you know, share a little bit about a similar Mm. question that we've asked Regina and Dennis. How did you end up at at Mel Trotter? And Mm. I want to remind you before you answer that question that I know this whole story. So anything that you get incorrect, I will will correct. Okay. Okay. So, listener, I came here after volunteering for three years. I was teaching devotions. I moved to Grand Rapids in 2017. And when I was here, I actually had another job. I was in corporate sales for 25 years. I was calling on businesses and organizations and helping automate business processes. I love people, I love business, and I love helping. So I moved here and I said, how can I help? I love teaching people that they matter. I love saying, Jesus loves you. You are not the sum total of your past mistakes and choices. You have mattering and value and worth and dignity, and you're not, quote, just a homeless person. You are experiencing a situation like we've all experienced situations in our lives. So after three years of volunteering, I had taken a sabbatical with my job to, to write a book. And I went to a leadership conference and I saw our Mel Trotter Ministries, VP of HR, Marcy. And she said, hey, how's it going? How's the book? I said, great. Just waiting for it to go to publication. She said, well, you know how to raise money, right? And I said, yeah, how can I help? I literally thought it was another volunteering opportunity. She goes, send me your resume. And I was like, for what? But you guys, my stomach dropped like I was a middle school girl at, like a, at a dance. Regina, it's like you said, you just knew, right? Mm-hmm. I was not looking to come on staff full time. I just love the mission so much and I wanted to be a part of it. And yeah. it never dawned on me. It, and then that is, we hear it all the time. People say God opens doors. Mm-hmm. And I think there's just, you just know. You know, people say, how do you know mm-hmm. when a door opens? And a lot of times I just, I have answered that by saying, well, you just know. And then it popped in my own head, listen to your own advice. You just know. This is not you. You weren't seeking it. Mm-hmm. You have been equipped for this for a lot of years when I at times would say, what am I supposed to be doing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How does God really want to use me? Is it just this? Is there something else? And then he, in his own time, said, I think you're ready. Now, here you go. So I came on board in January of 2020. I had every intention, again, of going back to where I I was. And I said, I'm all in. And I met with Dennis, and I had a list of questions, (laughs) which has not changed. Did I answer any of them? A couple of them. He's looking at me like, oh, is she going to be like this all the time? (laughs) And yes, 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 she is. (laughs) So I started in January of 2020, and now we can laugh and say, you know, that was a heck of an onboarding experience. Three months of... Here's, here's what we do. Let's ease your toast into you know the nonprofit world and everything about Mel Trotter. And then boom, COVID. Mm-hmm. So that's the onboarding. And we just, but you know, like we always do here, no matter what comes our way, we collectively as a team get through it. And we say, what is the mission? What do we need to do to take care of our guests? And that's what we did. So I love Okay. It. So I want to, I want to get to your passions outside of this in a minute, but yeah. first I want to ask something else. 
So it seems to me in my life, I've been leading nonprofit organizations or working in, in church ministries for for three decades now. And there seems to almost be this idea out there that there are people that work in the for-profit world and there are people that work in the ministry or nonprofit world and the two can't mix. And I've sort of, you know, we've talked about this before. I've always believed that both go very well because if you're leading a nonprofit, if you're leading it with solid business principles, you're going to have more capacity to do more ministry or more social work or whatever it is that you do. And sometimes I find that's a foreign concept. People don't understand how for-profit culture can move into not-for-profit culture and they can they can work really well. So talk a little bit about what you have experienced so far or or what you believe about the advantages of coming from the for-profit world because you were you're being modest but you were extremely successful in sales and everything else. How does that transfer over into nonprofit and how can a ministry or a nonprofit benefit from that? Mm-hmm. Well, one of the very first things I did when I came through the doors the first day is I took one look at our CRM, which is our manages our database of our donors. And I had questions. <laughs> I said, how long has this been here? How are you guys using it? And again, this was 25 years of what I did every single day. So I just walked in and I sort of utilized that. It was very familiar to me. It felt like a good place to start, learn, quote, the business. And I, I found out very quickly that there were some opportunities for improvement. Mm-hmm. And that if we were going to raise more money to support this mission and all of the folks that we serve, that this was the place to start. So laying that foundation and again, that, I guess, knowledge transference, the skill transference, it just really did. It felt seamless to me. It felt like this is not different. This is back office operations, if you will. And we are supposed to be good stewards of God's Mm -hmm. money, right? And for sure, our donors' money. I'm like, well, this makes the most sense because now we're going to operate much more efficiently. We're going to utilize our incoming donations that we have to run operationally in a much more efficient manner so that we can actually utilize dollars and give that even more money back to our guests, exactly what we're doing every day. So that happened quickly, like in a couple months. And there were some raised eyebrows and people were like, are she sure she knows what she's doing over here? And I'm like, honestly, you guys, I promise this will go okay. And I think it has. It has. I know it has actually. And so that was a really good uh, feeling for me. It helped me personally get out of my own narrative that I had my own questions, like, do I really know what I'm doing here? And that answer is God prepares us. And I leaned into that. And I said, yeah, I do. I might not know every single thing about, I still don't, right? I'm always learning. We all are always learning. Mm-hmm. But I had enough comfort to know that I love people. I love team building. I understand mm-hmm. business process and business process 100% translates. It's called yeah. different things. It might, from an execution standpoint, happen at different paces. But at the end of the day, it's all the same. Awesome. So other than motorcycles, and please don't mention that community college football team in in Ohio, but other than that, what are your passions? Yeah. So I love to run. I am a marathoner. I'm an avid runner. That's my time alone with God and my catharsis and gets my endorphins going, gets me through the days. And I also um, love to preach and teach and be with folks and podcast and I write. And you have a daughter. I do. You guys are talking about family now. Okay. Now she's going to listen to this and be like, mom. TikTok. My daughter's 24. So let me tell you guys one quick story. She ran her very first half marathon over the weekend. And I, as a runner, I said, oh my goodness, I'm going to be there and be at this mile and this mile, be at the end. I'll run you. She's like, stay home. I said, I'm, I have questions. I'm good. What do you mean? She goes, mom, I want to do this by myself. And so... 
Perhaps that's not why I mentioned it. My daughter actually is a very private person. She's like, mom, just people know, people know. You don't have to bring me up every time. Please stop talking about me. So I try and like leave her out, out of respect for her 24 year old adult self. So Liv, it's my fault that yes. I had your mom bring, bring into this. <laughs> so I'm curious, like, okay, so this podcast is really the three of us who will be hosting this, you know, going forward with, with other guests. But this was sort of the introduction to the podcast, the introduction to us. So here's a question. So Gina, like what excites you most about doing this podcast? Like what are you looking forward to? I've never done a podcast before and I am a processor. So it's a challenge for Mm -hmm. me. I articulate way better in writing than I do like speaking. So I love challenges. And so this is a challenge, but I'm passionate about a lot of stuff. And just reading over some of the, the, the thoughts of the briefs and different topics that we want to bring forth, it's mixing some of my passions with some things that I, I, I feel a little challenged about. And that's growth, right? So I'm excited about it. That's what I'm wow. most excited about. <laughs> That's very cool. So I think this is a pretty decent place for us to, to wrap up our first show, our first yeah. episode. So if you have any questions as we go through this that you would like us to address, we will be putting things out on our website. I'm saying this real time, guys. So we're going to do that on our website for you guys, listeners to say, can you talk about this topic? Yeah. Can you find resources for us? We are here to help. We are here to serve and we love what we do. So Again, you guys, thank you for joining us. Hey, I, I need to put my name Every in right day. now for <laughs> when when we have Bono as a guest. Like, oh, that's my interview. Oh, you got it. All right, that's mine. So, you Matthew, you need to get Bono in here. All right. Yeah, and I'll take Mark Wahlberg. Okay. All right, guys. Thank you for joining us on Everyday Humanities. See you next week. Bye. See ya. Bye.